and welcome. Kat, we have a very special episode. It's episode number 50. Um, I know! Our big 5-0. And we have a very special guest with us today, Roy Sakuma. Um, he is known for so much here locally for the um, his legacy in the field of ukulele. He's been teaching at Roy Sakuma Ukulele Studios for 50 years. He was a student of um, Herb Ota, who's a you know a famous ukulele player. He founded the Ukulele Festival. I mean, he really is the embodiment of ukulele here in Hawaii. Uh, Roy, it's so nice to have you on. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Catherine. And it's a joy to be here at this, uh, this beautiful day in Hawaii. Thank you. I know. I'm glad we got some good weather again. It's been a little touch and go recently, but um, how is it for you, Kat? Well, I just had a quick question. Um, So I'm looking at your setup here. Are you, is this your house or are you at your ukulele studio? Where are you? This this is our home. This is the, this is the corner of the home that, uh, that uh, my wife likes to set it up. Uh, She said, oh, this is a good place to do the Zoom (laughs) or to to do this, uh, uh, interview together. Yes. Are those your prize ukulele behind you? What are those? There are just a few. They're all. They're surrounded me. My wife surrounded me. With ukulele. <laughs> uh, many of these ukuleles were uh, ukuleles that was made for me by luthiers, uh, by you know Kamaka and Koloha, Kanilea, Kolau, and uh, it was it was just wonderful. We we have such a re- great relationship with all the ukulele makers. Oh yeah, that do is. Do you have one. any favorite? Do you have any favorite ones of the ones that we're seeing? I'd love if you showed us one. There's one that, that was surprised us uh, last year because it was our 50th annual ukulele festival, and we were called to the Kamaku ukulele factory, and they presented my wife and I with a beautiful ukulele. Oh this, wow! Uh, what is that made of? And this and it says the 50th annual, 50th annual ukulele festival. And they had asked for an autograph months ago. We wonder why did they want an autograph? So they put an autograph signature. Oh, wow. And and this is a beautiful ukulele. And even when you hit the sound, you know, uh, it's a beautiful ukulele. So we're very thankful with the Kamakas did from my wife and I. Yes. Kevin, these are your goals, Kevin. You need to have your name on a ukulele. That is a one of a kind piece. (laughs) I know, I went to the uh, Koaloha ukulele factory for a story and I saw some of the ukuleles that they were producing. And those are some really special ukulele as well, but uh, the, the price tag is probably my my um, deciding factor yeah. for me. A little, yeah. little rich for my blood so far. Yeah. But, they're, they're great. Uh, you know, Alvin and Pat will come of Koaloha, mm-hmm. father and pops. Yeah, they're very, very dear friends from my wife and I. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, it's so great to have you on, Roy. Um, you know, I think we just kind of want to talk to you a little bit about your background first, maybe. Um, you know, kind of what got you into playing the ukulele, um, some of your formative years. I was also curious on just how much you practiced to get as good as you are today, but you can kind of you can kind of answer that all in one go. Well, well first of all, uh, you know, there's the a story that's been out already about my childhood, that I had such a rough childhood. I mean, I really, really struggled in my life, but... I ended up in detention home a little. I was uh, on probation for a year. They extended it to two years. Uh, I got kicked out of school in the ninth grade. Uh, they, they, they didn't want me back, so they sent me to high school with the principal then. I'll never forget what the principal told me. He said, Roy, one of us has to go, and it's not me. <laughs> that was it. I walked out, shook his hand. I, I 
I probably looked sad, but I probably inside I was happy because I struggled in school, you know, I really did. And uh, and then it was during that transition where I was working at a small little store that I heard this uh, ukulele by Okasan, Sushi. And I fell in love with the song, not realizing that I would love that song so much, I sought him out and asked him if he would teach me. And he said he would. Really? And I took lessons for him for about 18 months. And when I started playing, I was, let me just share this. Uh, when I was younger, about 12 and 14 years old, my friends used to try and teach me to play the ukulele. But picture yourself holding C, and now you're trying to strum. Because I'd never heard the radio before, because my parents, my mother was mentally ill, so there was never music. I had no concept of rhythm. So I would go like this. You know, and they would say, Stop. <laughs> you'll never learn to play the ukulele, but you got to know rhythm, and you don't have rhythm. So I never played the ukulele until Okasan taught me. And he taught me to play to really music, which was my strength, mathematics. And that's how I got started, Kevin. And my goal after the first month was to beat him. I wanted to play better than him. Oh, wow. So I would practice, Kevin. This is the truth, because I wasn't going to school. Uh, probably, if you added up about eight hours a day. And wow. That's a full-time job. I, I practiced so hard. But the interesting thing is, the better I got on the Easter level, the farther away the teacher became. I mean, you, you realize how great a teacher you have as you get better. Mm -hmm. and so to answer that question, Kevin, I practiced probably eight hours a day for about 18 months. Then he told me to quit, and I didn't want it. But he said, I've taught you everything I've learned. For the five years that it took me to learn all these things, you've learned it in 18 months. Oh, oh wow! And so I, I left unwillingly because I was sad, you know, and and so I drifted around for about a year. And he calls me up. He says, "Roy, I'm starting an ukulele class of adults. Can you help me?" Oh sure. What do I have to do? Just tune the ukuleles. So I go up there on Saturday, and I tune up like twenty to twenty-five adults, and I sit there as he teaches lesson number one. At the end of the lesson, he comes up to me and he says, Oh, by the way, I'm going to Japan. You're teaching for the next two weeks. And I was stunned. I said, <laughs> I've never taught. I don't know what to do. He said, Just do what I do. And, and so he left. He went to Japan. And I had to teach his class. And Kevin, how I practiced at ukulele for eight hours a day, it's the same thing I did. I went home and I looked at the walls, the mirror, and anything I could talk to him. And I, I practiced teaching to the students. Oh, wow. Creating questions they would ask me and try to answer, but I was double. But what happened is, because I practiced probably hours every day, when I went in front of them on Saturday to teach, it was, I wasn't nervous. And it came out so natural. Oh, wow. They were so comfortable teaching them. And they were happy to learn from me. And so when Okasan returned, he said, well, how did you like teaching? And I told him, I loved it. And you know what he told me? He says, hey, Roy, you take over my students. You teach from now on. You take over all my students. All you do is pay the rent. And I accept it right there. Mm -hmm. That's how I got started in teaching. So I owe everything to Otosan. Yeah, he's been a blessing in, in our lives. Oh, wow. Wow, what a crazy story. Well, you know, when you were younger, what did you think you were going to do? 
Like, what were your... I, I really honestly thought that at age 18, I would end up in a lot of prison. I, I was into so much trouble as a child. I, I started cutting out of school in kindergarten. Uh, what? Yeah, I, I cut out of school every year from kindergarten to ninth grade. The wow. reason is because I, I didn't realize it at that, but I was very insecure because um, I have a small right ear. And as a little boy, the kids used to say, oh, you look ugly, or oh, your ear looks funny. And as a little boy, that hurts. And so I would go home to my mother, and I would tell my mother, you know, how come my ears like this? Now, I didn't know, or we didn't know she had paranoia schizophrenia. So she would say, they made you like this. She would point out door to the, to the people, say, they made you like this. Buddha made you like this. And so, mm. you know, as a four-year-old boy, your mind just goes totally, um, I don't know what's the word, I become, I, I become totally oblivious to what's normal. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't want to be around other kids. Even if a girl talked about her hair or an earring, I'd immediately walk away thinking they're going to look at my ear. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know two years later I developed paranoia, but somehow through the love of the ukulele, I was able to release them. Interesting. And now I help children. Now my, my passion in life now is helping kids with the, uh, you know, any type of mental, uh, you know, any type of struggles that happen, I can help them because I live through it and I can guide them. Do you think that ukulele kind of helps um, ease those anxieties and fears? Definitely, definitely. Because when I started learning, like when I used to practice eight hours a day, I would walk to a place uh, outside of the home where nobody was around and I would play my ukulele and it instantly gives you comfort. Without the ukulele, all your mind is preoccupied usually at night or in the early morning is what's wrong with myself. But when I picked up the ukulele, you don't think of those things. You just think of playing, mm. playing song to song. So the ukulele was a saving grace for me. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. I just can't imagine you doing, you're just so nice. I can't even imagine you like thinking you were going to end up at O Triple C or something. I anyway, I can't. I can't get over it. Okay, I, I'm looking at that Zoom. Did my light come dark all of a sudden? Oh, that... you got a little bit of glare, um, but that might just be from the sun. It's yeah. just the sun. Shall I just have my wife see if she can adjust that? Oh yeah, if can. Can I look at this? Look at this room. some. Um, you know, while you do that right now, I'm going to close my uh, sliding glass door real quick. I got a lawnmower going. What's happening? I'm all alone on this podcast now. So I have a question for you. Is there, I mean, do you, do you still play the ukulele as often as you as you used to or not as much? Or um, I, I rarely play the ukulele now. Um, I, all I do with the ukulele is teach. You know, I love teaching. And... Um, I don't know if you know this, but I, I have not really played the ukulele. Uh, per, I have not really performed in Hawaii on the ukulele. Um, oh, I didn't know that. No, no, no. It was better than here. And, and uh, what happened is that uh, only because when I went to Japan, my wife and I, to help the people in uh, Fukushima, did I start to uh, play the ukulele for the people in the care home, in the shelters. And that's what... Um, they gravitated to when I played. So I started to uh, start playing the ukulele again for them. Mm. But in Hawaii, I don't play. I, I don't play how, yeah. how come, though? What, what is the... Why not? 
Well, because like, you know, Blue Note used to call me and say, Roy, will you play at Blue Note? And, you know, you know, uh, we're going to charge so much money per person. And a lot of my students would say, yeah, we're going to come. You play at Blue Note, we're coming. But then I thought to myself, it's not fair for people to pay to come and see me play if I don't practice at all. <laughs> you know, that's not fair. But if, if I don't practice, I don't deserve to be performing. And, and that's one of the key reasons why I won't perform is because I don't practice, but I love teaching. Mm. Teaching was really good. What 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 is what are some of the aspects that you love so much about teaching that that kind of brings you to it, I guess, or why why has that become you know more than I, playing I, the ukulele for you? I have this tremendous joy on teaching children that you see the laughter, you see the smiles on their faces. And, and it's not just teaching, it's, it's what I'm doing within this teaching, it's, it's somehow can create this laughter in them and these smiles. Once you see a smile on a child's face, and we tell this to all our instructors, when you see a smile on a child's face, you know that you've got them at the right place, that they're, they're, they're open to learning, and they're just, they're just open. You know, you, you don't want them to be like this. And, and, and look so boring. Yeah. And I think that's one of the key that we try to teach all our staff members to do. It's, a, it's an art. It's something that I think my wife and I learned a long time ago. And we've been able to instill this in all our young instructors through the years to develop this quality. Many of them, by the way, went on to become really wonderful school teachers. Oh, interesting. Works handy man. Yes. Interesting. And so past, um, so you ended up founding your own uh, school, um, the Roy Sukuma Ukulele Studios. Uh, what was that like? I mean, that must have been, was it easier for you since you kind of had already a lot of teaching experience and the students from Herb Ota, or was it uh, a difficult process? It, it actually was not at all. It was, uh, see, I, I was teaching for Ota-san for several years, and it was Ota-san who, um, you know, encouraged me. He says, you know, Roy, maybe it's time for you to open your own studio. Mm-hmm. You know, open up your own little studio. And I opened up my studio with his encouragement in the room next door to him. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> he didn't, he, he wasn't, it was no problem because he was such a great entertainer. He wasn't focused on teaching. You know, I realized you cannot be a, it's hard to be a great teacher and teaching student and a performer at the same time. You have to choose one of the two. Mm-hmm. And he was a great performer. I can remember long lines at the Ilikai Hotel trying to get get in to listen to him play uh, on his musical set with the Ukulele. That's how great he was. I mean, you talk to some of the greatest musicians in the world, so unfortunately some of them passed away. They'll tell you as a musician, not as a ukulele player, just as a musical musician. That they, uh, I remember a famous uh, member of the Wrecking Crew that recorded over, oh, what, hundreds of thousands of songs with mm-hmm. all the great musicians. He said, Ota-san is one of the top five musicians he's ever heard. Really? Wow. That's high praise coming from someone from That's the Wrecking Crew. When he's playing the ukulele, how he interprets the melody line. And that's what I learned from him. That was one of the greatest things I learned from him. That how you play the melody is the most important thing. Everything else will come around that. But you have to play with your heart. Mm. And that's one of the hardest things to develop, is to play with your heart. 
Oh, interesting. Once you, once you have that, then you're on your way. Huh. Everything that you play will come from here and not from so much my skill or my knowledge. It's coming from here. Yeah. So if I play you a song, a simple song, can be anything, I'll play it for you five times, it'll always come out different. It's wherever I'm going. I see, wherever mm. your heart's going. Yes. Very jazzy. That's a very jazz approach to music. Do you, um, how do you feel ukulele, either the instrument or the music or the musicians um, have evolved over the years? I mean, I feel like there's been so many uh, influencers that have changed the way the ukulele is played, the way it sounds, the kind of music, like really kind of blew out the stereotype of ukulele. I mean, so how, in your opinion, how has it evolved the whole, the whole music of it? Um, because my wife and I were always teaching the ukulele, we actually saw the transitions as it was happening throughout all this time, from the 1970s to the 1980s and into the 90s. And I'll give you one of the big turning points that we saw. Okay, First of all, uh, uh, Is was playing his ukulele and singing and using his ukulele as the, the lead instrument to accompany him. And he was such a natural, Is was such a natural. Mm-hmm. His voice was one of a kind. And right after this, of course, you had a Capena that came out with their sound. But one, one group in particular that I feel made a really big difference, and I could tell was the Ka'au Creator Works. Mm. Because when they came out with their regular style of music, and Troy Fernandez was playing with ukulele, we noticed a huge trend of high school students mm. coming to take lessons at our studio. Before, it was always children up to seventh grade. And then there's a, like a long mm-hmm. period up until adults. But when our creative voice came out, we got so many calls from high school kids wanting to learn to play the ukulele. Oh, interesting. They parasite and they wanted to learn the ukulele. Huh. That was a big thing that we noticed in the musical transition that went, went, went that moved forward. And then a lot of what Ka'al did continued throughout the years. It evolved, like, like Catherine, you were saying. And you, you see people like, um, and, and even people like Jay uh, started playing double finger picking, but he developed his own style. See, this is the great thing about Jay. He took what he learned at our studio. He was a student of ours for seven years with us till he graduated from high school. And then he took what he learned and what we encourage everyone to do is if you're going to perform, you need to develop your own style. Mm. And he did it. He developed the style <clears throat> that the world kind of gravitated to. Yeah. I think so. We could see that. We've seen the change. It's it's really been a blessing. Mm. And I've seen it in the in the past 10, 20 years where you notice that a lot of the pop song style, you can have, mm-hmm. you can hear the ukulele in the background. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's great. That was my dream. That was the reason of uh, putting on the first <clears throat> annual ukulele festival. My dream was to see the ukulele travel throughout the world, and and it's finally happened. It's, it's, and so we're very thankful that uh, now that everyone can enjoy the music of the ukulele. And you know, it's a good thing that you brought up the uh, the ukulele festival. Um, that was kind of what I wanted to ask you about next. Um, you were the you and your wife were the the founders of the the ukulele festival, which just recently had its fiftieth year. So it's been a really long standing kind of Hawaii tradition. Um, how did that all get started? Kind of where did that idea come from and, and how did how did it get to where it is today? It goes back to when I was teaching for uh, 
Omazan, hmm. is that um, I was teaching only part-time. There was a limited amount of students. Now, back in those years, the 1969-70-71, very few people were interested in the ukulele. Hmm. The, the instrument of choice was the guitar because of the Beatles, the, the Rolling Stones, the Beach oh. Boys. Everything was guitar. Everything was guitar. Well, what happened is I was I start I got a job at the city and county of Honolulu of cleaning the parks. I, I was the lowest employee, so my job was to clean the bathrooms in Waikiki, <laughs> empty the rubbish cans, etc. And at lunch, I would sit at the bandstand, look at the bandstand, and I actually mumbled, "My dream is to put on a the festival." And someone heard me mumbling, and they, they, they spoke. They said, "Dreams come true." And it hit me, and it locked in me. And wow! I went to city hall, and as a groundskeeper, 21 years old, I asked, "How do I put on an event at Kapilani Park?" And so, oh, you have to fill out this application, and da 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 da. So I did it, and they accepted it. And so, as a groundskeeper, I was 21 or maybe just about 22 years old. I put on the first annual because <laughs> that's a lot of responsibility for a 21 year old. Yeah. But, I, you know, I, I have this thing to me that I teach children today, you know, that if you have a desire, I mean, never be afraid of failure. Mm. You know, just go for it. <laughs> and I'm glad I did because now the ukulele is an instrument of choice throughout the whole world. That's all we you know. If I heard mumbling at Kapilani Park now, I don't. I don't think I would go over and talk to that person anymore. <laughs> I typically avoid mumblers in Waikiki. Uh, yeah, the world has changed, world has changed so much, and, and you know, I, I thought growing up in the in the sixties like that, I thought you know that was a, I thought it was a fun time, and people say oh, all all eras are fun, but I looked at today's time and I said. You know, I, I worry for the young kids of today because we, as the adults, are responsible for establishing what society is going to be 20 years from now. So we really have to put our best foot forward. Mm. You know, the key word I always tell the students, even at our studio, and I do this a lot, and even my instructors do this a lot, is we focus on love. Just focus on love when you're teaching, when they're leaving the studios, they will sense it. And I'll tell you how many kids, when the lessons are finished, do you know what they're waiting for? They're out. Oh. If high school students are standing there and talking to a parent, he says, Can we get our hug? My goodness. It's contagious. It's really, and now like, we can't do it. I cannot hug anybody. Oh, it's yeah. So you know? Yeah, but that's. Love is the key. You know? mm. That's that's actually a, another really good point um, to bring up. Uh, you know, COVID uh, happened, and it's kind of the big elephant in the room. No one wants to talk about it, but it's always around. Um, how has that affected kind of your, you know, your business? Because, you know, ukulele studio and, you know, lessons are typically in person, so I'm sure that must have been difficult, and as well as the, uh, the ukulele festival. Um, tell me a little bit about what's been going on there. Well, when this when this pandemic started, when this when it became necessary for us to shut down, and when we were told we can reopen under certain guidelines, we really had uh, um, meetings uh, on on fortunately for Zoom with our, our staff, mm. and we explained to them we, we didn't pressure anyone to teach because we felt everyone's thinking for their safety. Amazingly, everyone had the passion to go back and want to teach. They wanted to teach. So we, we established all these guidelines of, of 
you know, like what the program uh, is saying about cleaning, sanitizing, all these things. We put up these big banners, which actually don't show this, but shows all the requirements before entering our studio. Mm. And it's, it's worked really well. We follow the guidelines. If, if you cannot have more than, say, for instance, three or four people in a room, we cut that down. And, and so it's been working well. And of course, Zoom, many of the elderly people um, are kind of um, cautious. You don't blame them. They don't want to go to the studio because they're at a higher risk. Mm-hmm. So they all came on Zoom. Oh. And they love it. <laughs> so I, I, I have so many people that, I, that we're teaching on Zoom or we're teaching even kids on Zoom. And, and at the end of the lesson, it's so cute. They're waiting for their jokes. <laughs> they're waiting for their moment of laughter. Uh-huh. But it, it's been working really well for us. It's, it's just that a lot of people are still on the sidelines. I think in everywhere. I think of everything, you know, there's so many people that would prefer staying home. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's rather sad because we're, we're, we're meant to be with others, you know. Absolutely. So hopefully we'll get through this soon. What is your big advice for people who want to either learn ukulele and maybe they're not living here or, or people like Kevin who has dabbles in plenty of things and he's like very not focused but he wants to get better at the ukulele like what do you recommend do you recommend people do lessons or are there is it practice eight hours a day eight to ten hours a day yeah right kevin you have a job and there are many students that are learning online i mean they're just going through videos and copying videos Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it 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 helps to a certain degree but the the problem with that is that if you ask the student what are you playing they don't know what they're playing, you know. So, what key are you in? What chords are you holding? Oh, I don't know, but that's what they're showing on the the, the video, you know. And so, I recommend to students to take lessons, just try lessons, because we're we're now available on Zoom. You can contact our studio and just try a few lessons. You can just try four lessons, but I'll, I'll tell you the the success rate of people that have come to our studio to just try. I would say um, it's probably way above ninety percent when they take wow. the oh, lesson. They're kind of hooked because they see uh, it's it's a method that I developed in nineteen seventy. I think I was teaching. Well, no, I'm sorry. When I was teaching music with Otosan, I was teaching to music reading to the piano music and then transposing it to the ukulele. I would hit a blockage with kids where I couldn't teach things that I wanted to teach that were more difficult to learn. This is when I, I decided to use something, and Jake talks about this a lot, that I used a manual typewriter to type out the music from a piano sheet. A manual typewriter. Now I would give the music to my students, and they could, if, if once they learn the method of what I am doing, they can play that song rhythmically in time exactly the same as a piano music without even knowing the song without ever without ever hearing the song they can do it oh interesting. really yeah it, it's uh, it's one of those it's, i think it's one of the most amazing things that I, and i remember one of the that that man from the wrecking crew who's a great musician oh and another person howard roberts who wrote a compendium of jazz books uh, he was one of the greatest jazz guitarists in the 60s when he looked at my method and i explained it to him he said this could have easily have been the alternative to learning music for children 
because now everyone could understand. Because you see, when you play to the piano music, um, many, many students will have trouble. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. piano music and reading music is associated with math. So it's a little more difficult for someone who majors in English <laughs> to understand the mathematics part, the fractions, the fractions. You're talking, right? to, you're talking to us right piano. now. Yeah, I suffered in piano, yes. But with, with this method, you wouldn't have that. You wouldn't mm. have that support, yeah. So it, it was just something that we, we taught all our instructors, and that's the beauty of it, because we have four studios. I, I think I've written uh, probably over a couple thousand songs for ukulele. Oh and my goodness. Learn the song from Kathy or I, my wife. But they can look at the music sheet and now they know how to play it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so Sign him up. Sign him up. I know, I gotta get in there. I think I actually called one time to, to start taking lessons, but then I, I fell off because I have trouble sticking to one hobby. But um maybe next time. I don't know. Now now I'm all excited about it. <laughs> um, I think I heard Kathy playing up. Podcast or something that was something that you hear an ukulele at the beginning. Is that? Oh, you? that's an intro. No, oh, Kevin no. wishes that <laughs> I was wish him. that no, was we, me. That's it. That was it. You want to hear Kevin play a, a ukulele? You can go grab your ukulele, Kevin. I, I know you desperately want to. You know what's really sad right now is I don't know where my ukulele is. I what happened? I switched to the guitar. Speaking of guitars, <laughs> you know uh, that's my 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 big thing right now. But um. Yeah, no, I mean, this has been uh, so good talking to you, Roy. Um, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Um, oh, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure talking to you, folks. It's been so easy. <laughs> That's what we aim for. Easy to talk to. Um, Kat, do we have... Oh, actually, uh, Roy, um, where can people um, find your ukulele studio, your website, anything you want to uh, let our listeners know? Yes, um, they could go to our website, which is roysakuma.com, mm -hmm. and uh, they could get all the information, and uh, they could learn a, a lot about what we do, what we teach, and um, all the things that we're doing to, uh, not just to the ukulele, but uh, primarily to the ukulele, but also, uh, which one of my passions in life is to help the young children understand their inner feelings, mm -hmm. to help them prepare for and you know, this is a subject that I wish uh, I used to talk to mental health conferences about. And I, I can't wait till the pandemic is over when I, I can go back and talk about these things because it is so simple and yet it's not in the minds of most people in the world. Mm -hmm. it's, it's what I'm sharing, how I got through my struggles. That's the difference. I didn't learn it, I experienced it. So now the, the healing parts of all these things in life. It's actually very simple. And in fact, I was helping the FBI in 2016 to surprise me and flew me to Washington to receive an award from the FBI director for helping hundreds of kids. Oh, wow. All I had to do was share why we are mad, why we're mad at the world, at our parents, why we're so upset about things. And when they understood, guess what happened? They let it go. It wasn't important. Wow, you really dropped that on us at the last second, Roy. That's, I feel like that's a... That's so important. It's so important. The FBI thing, though, that's a big... We, I, I feel like we could have talked more about that. Attention <laughs> home, FBI award. But we're running it's out of like, time. Yeah. Um, Kat, 
uh, do you have any uh, our shout outs? Do you want to do those this week? Uh, you know, you can find us at hawaiimagazine.com on all social media platforms at Hawaii Magazine. Please subscribe and rate us on SoundCloud or wherever else you find your podcast. Thank you so much again, Roy, for being part of our our podcast, our 50th um, podcast. 50. And uh, yeah, here's to 50 more. And we hope we'll connect with you again. Maybe we'll have you like in a concert or something on our podcast. You and Kevin can jam. No, please no. Not me. I stick to the lead. Okay. Yeah. I, can, I can keep we'll a steady click. beat. We'll click. We'll click. Okay. I can snap. Anyway, it's been Thanks. fun. Thanks so much, everyone. Thank, Thank you so much, everyone. Have a good day. Aloha.